This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. Just for fun, just for fun, imagine that that team in the NBA with the best regular season record goes on and wins the NBA championship. You know what that would mean, right? That would mean that your Milwaukee Bucks would be the world champions. That would mean that there would be this huge parade downtown. Would you be there? I bet a lot of us would. Can you, can you imagine if they, if they win the NBA championship and there's the parade and, and you're there, you're right out in front of the five-serve forum and the team is coming down and Giannis is there and let's say he's won the MVP for the, the league for the year and he also wins the NBA finals MVP and he's, he's walking by, they're there and they're parading by. You know, what would be your posture? Uh, would you just be sitting down on the curb? Yeah. Uh, would your hands be in your pockets? Yeah. As the, as the team would go by, would you be using your voice going, yay, team, yay, go? You know? No, you'd be up, yeah, right? You'd have a sore throat before it was all over. You'd be into it. There'd be a lot of energy and exuberance. This would be fantastic. This would be a celebration. Well, this morning, we're going to go back into history so that we can see his story and see how it crosses into our story. And as we do so this morning, we see Jesus, and he's making his way down into Worship Avenue in downtown Jerusalem. And this is how it went. They threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down, the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. People were there. They were there intentionally. They wanted to see Jesus. They wanted to see the object of their affection. They wanted to see the object of their worship. Hey, I got a, I got a question for you this morning, and we'll jump back real quick, but I got a question for you. Who or what did you come to see this morning? Did you come to see the music team? Man, they're great. <laughs> they're awesome. Yeah. Did, did you come to, to go to the Victory Cafe and have some food? Man, I'm telling you, every Sunday morning when I come out of my office, I'm like, are you kidding me? That smells so good. Huh? I did. Did you know that the, the new pastor and his family moved into town? Did you come here to see them? Hey guys, did, 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 you, did you come to see your new family? Huh? Or did you come to see Jesus? If you came here, 
uh, not expecting to see Jesus. That really wasn't on your, your radar screen. I just wanted to, you know, hope and pray that from now on, that when you and I gather for worship, we come here to see Jesus, to see the King of Kings, to see the Lord of Lords, to see our Savior. See, as, as Jesus was coming in, to Jerusalem, the people there, they knew they needed Jesus, okay? They, they maybe couldn't put their finger exactly on it, but for each and every one of them, to one degree or another, they knew that something was missing. There was an empty spot, a hole, a, a touch of insecurity, yeah, or insecurity. They were unfulfilled in one way or another. They were nervous. They were, you know, uh, filled with pride maybe a little bit, maybe a little defensive. You see, you know what all that stuff is? That's all spiritual hunger. That's all a, a hole in our hearts. And that's spiritual hunger. You know, when we're physically hungry, we go and, and grab a bite to eat, right? When we're spiritually hungry, if we try to fill that spiritual hunger by any physical means, that's when we run into problems. When we're spiritually hungry and we try to fill it with something physical, that's when addictions occur, okay? That's when substance addictions happen. That's when eating addictions happen. That's when sexual addictions happen. That's when hobby addiction happens. That's when we become workaholics. The people there, they and we need Jesus to fill in those crevices, those cracks, those sometimes gaping holes in our hearts and lives. As the people gathered there, intentionally to see Jesus and needing Jesus. They had these huge smiles on their face. They, they started singing out joyfully, you know. They, they were praising loudly. The word for, for worship here is exuberant celebration. They were raving. They were boasting, Jesus, Jesus, you're the one. You're the one. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. There is no one like you. You alone are God. You alone are Savior. In our terminology, they're there going, MVP, MVP. And they meant it. And they knew it. And that was true. Savior of all time for all people. And part of their worship that day was not only exuberance, and joy and shouting and singing. It was also humility as they took off their clothes, their outer garments, their coats, and they laid them out on the road as like a red carpet walkway for Jesus. You see, that, that was them expressing their love to God, using their time, their talents, and their treasure, giving their best. I mean, just think about it, parents. If your kids go outside and they lay down their coat in the middle of the road, what do you say? Yeah, what are you doing? That costs money. Yeah, you need that. The people go, hey, it's just money. 
I've given it to Jesus. They gave their time, their talent, their treasure, their heart, their all. So who or what are you willing to give your all for? Who or what means the world to you? Is it a spouse? A child? A grandchild? A boyfriend or a girlfriend? A pet? An experience? Your job? Who or what means the world to you? Who or what is the the one thing that you say yes to? Because see, that's what it boils down to. Sooner or later, it all narrows down. And there's a number one. As Jackie's told me for many, many years now, and I'm getting it better and better, believe it or not, I really am, that when you say yes to someone or something, you're also saying then no to someone or something as well. Who are you saying yes to? Who's number one? I want to share with you a, a little story that is in the background of this Palm Sunday account. It's, it's kind of there in the neighborhood, the timing of it. It's written by a guy named John who was a follower of Jesus who deeply loved Jesus. Okay, and this is what he writes. He writes this. It says, Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. So there's this big party, this big celebration, and it's all for Jesus. They're going to honor him, and Mary walks in with perfume and pours it on his feet. Now now keep in mind, and no offense, that this perfume that, that Mary is pouring on Jesus' feet, it's not Old Spice, okay? Uh, it's not Brut. It's not Polo. It's not Calvin Klein. It's not even Dolce & Gabbana. This, this perfume, this cologne that she pours on Jesus' feet, check it out, is worth more than 3,000 bucks an ounce. And she's got 16 ounces of it, a pint. $50,000 worth of perfume, cologne. She pours out onto Jesus' feet. Why? Because as the commercial would say, he was worth it. See, for Mary, this was personal. Jesus was not just a a teaching. Jesus was not just a tradition or a custom or a ritual. This was personal. Let me read you a couple of verses preceding where I was just reading. I'll read that verse, but I'll first read a couple of verses and that one again so you can get the full setting. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served. While Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. 
and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. See, for Mary, this was personal. This was a personal, heartfelt relationship with Jesus because Jesus had raised Mary's brother, Lazarus, from the dead. Jesus had brought Lazarus from death to life. Mary knew, Mary knew, Mary believed that there was also going to be a day when Jesus would have her go from death to life. It's personal. So what's Jesus worth to you? Isn't it true that because our, our hearts are sinful, they, they just make idols. They're an idol factory. They're just pumping out. We're going to worship this, worship that. And we get distracted from worshiping the true God. That we use our, our time and our talents and our treasures. We use the best of those things for someone or something other than Jesus. Let's pull around a little bit. So someone walks in, they come behind you, they tap you on the shoulder, and they give you an envelope that's got $50,000 in it. It's yours. What are you going to do with it? You're going to shoot a little spritz, a little spray uh, to Jesus and, and, and keep the rest, you know? And maybe you're just like, you know, it's a spray, you know? And the whole place would smell wonderful and beautiful, and, and you'd kind of just keep the rest? Or would you give it all to Jesus? It just came to you. It was a gift. Let me share Jesus' words with you. He says, uh, anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. How does that compare with what's going on in your heart and mine? You know, if someone walked in here, I'd love it. I'd love it if someone walked in here and gave me 50K. And I'd love to be able to tell you that if that happened, and every time it happened, that I'd just take that envelope and put it right up here. And Jesus, you're worth it. A big smile on my face joyfully and exuberantly. I'd love to be able to tell you I'd do that, and I'd do it every time. But you know what? I know me. And if that, that envelope came to me, I, I can guarantee you somewhere along the way, if not the first time, and that, I'd take it, take it, because I'd put it on the altar because I have to, because you were here, right? Right? I'd have to, right? And right there, and I'd be going, oh, I could use this for so much. A new car. Pay off the debt, the credit. You know, go on vacation. You know, I'd, I'd want to give Jesus a, a few spreads, you know? I mean, I don't know how many little spray things it would take to, 
to do an ounce, but I, I wish I'd tell you that every time I'd be extravagantly generous, just like God is always with me. And I want you to know that, that from time to time, only by God's grace, only by God's grace, God leads me to be extravagant and just, I just want you to know, it is the greatest thing when we're extravagant and generous. But I got this sinful part of me that even knowing that wants to hang on to it. See, I, I know when I, when I think about it, when I spend time with it, I come to this conclusion, this honest and true conclusion. I am absolutely positively the most selfish person who ever lived in the history of the world. And I hang my head in shame because I know Jesus is king. I believe Jesus is savior. I know he is to mean the world to me. Do you know where I'm coming from? So about a week later, about a week later after that perfume bath, uh, about a week later, after all those people had lined up in the streets in Jerusalem, praising Jesus, about a week later, instead of being covered with perfume, Jesus was covered with his own blood. About a week later, instead of having this aroma of elegance and beauty, Jesus was surrounded by the smell of death. About a week later, the shouts of praises to Jesus had turned to shouts of crucify that Jesus guy. About a week later, the palm branches were thrown away and the hammer and the nails were picked up. About a week later, Jesus was crucified. And this is where it gets really personal for you, for me. Because he was crucified for you, for me. This is what it says about Jesus. Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. It's about a week later where Jesus said by his words and demonstrated by his actions, he said to you, he said to you, you mean the world to me. And he gave the greatest gift of palm branches or perfume. He gave his life for you because you mean the world to him.
What's our response to that? What do we do with that? You know, the only appropriate response is to worship him. The only appropriate response is to realize, to live in such a way to show that Jesus means everything to me. And when we realize that, that Jesus really does mean everything to us, it changes how we act and how we think. There's this trickle-down effect. And it changes how we spend our time, how we spend our finances, how we raise our children. The things that we care about, the things that we're passionate about, the things that we entertain ourselves with, it changes all of that when we realize that Jesus means everything to us. And when you start to live like that and you and I start to live like that, I want you to know there will be objections. There were objections on that first Palm Sunday. People came to Jesus while everybody's praising him. People came to him and said, in effect, Jesus, tell those people to shut up. When Mary was pouring out that perfume on Jesus' feet, Judas, one of the disciples, is going, oh, man, what is she doing? What a waste. And you and I live like Jesus means everything. There will be objections. As long as we live in a sinful world, there will be objections. And when those objections come, I just want to urge you, just stay by Jesus. Be at Jesus' feet, just like Mary was. There's another word for worship is to humbly bow down, to humbly bow down before our God, our Savior, our King. When the objections come, say yes to him, not to them. Live for him, not for them. When Mary was pouring that perfume out on Jesus and Judas was complaining, do you think that Mary cared what Judas said? Not at all. He's number one. Worship means and, and, and looks and acts like a, a whole lot of things. Sometimes for me, worship is this amazingly loud, glorious, heartfelt song. Okay? It's silent. It's in my heart. Most of you know I can't carry a tune inside a bucket, right? So it's inside my heart. But you can't tell me that's not worship because it is, because that's my heart. Well, on the way to church this morning, I don't know why it came to my mind. It's a Christmas song. Love incarnate, love divine, shine upon this heart of mine. Sometimes when I worship, I actually do sing out loud. And that's usually in the shower when no one's at home, not the neighbors either, huh? or when I'm out on the road running in the middle of nowhere, making sure there are no farm dogs or anything around. 
Oh, no, let it go. Sometimes worship for me is I, just tears well up. This morning when the music team was, was warming up and they, they were doing one thing remains, we're going to sing it at the end. I'm in my office. My, my eyes are just getting huge. Sometimes for me, worship is an offering. Extravagant, generous offering. Just think, God, you're going to touch people's lives with this. You're going to change their eternity. Sometimes worship for me is just being blown away by the love of God. Won't be long. Pastor Ben will be up here, and he's going to share the gospel with us. And like a thousand pounds are going to go off my back. (laughs) I'm talking about the gospel, right? Get blown away. Sometimes worship for me is is crying out against temptation. God, I hate it. I'm tired of it. I don't want to do that anymore. See, that's worship because What's that showing is that, God, yeah, your way is the right way. Your way is the best way. I want to do I'm tired of this. Sometimes worship for me is, is loving on you, loving people, serving. Sometimes worship takes on the, the form of prayer. There's a lot of different facets to worship, but, but here's the key. This is what Jesus says is the key. He says, worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. So how will you show that Jesus means the world to you? Whatever that looks like, whatever that sounds like, may God bless you and lead you to do that. Let's pray. Come on now, God. So good. So good. Your cross clearly calls out to each one of us. You mean the world to me. You had a follower of you write it out this way, that God demonstrates his love to us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It blows me away. Lord God, you are holy. There is no one like you. You are our rock, our redeemer, our refuge, our strength, our salvation. You are our all in all. Lord, bless us and lead us and guide us to respond to your love, living for you, because Christ's love compels us. In our Savior's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.